May the God of peace fill you with all joy in believing. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's gospel, John chapter 13. We hear again these words of our Savior. A new command I give you, love one another. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in his commentary on Galatians, St. Jerome tells a story, a well-known story, about St. John the Evangelist, the writer of our text. According to tradition, John kept on preaching well into his 90s, but he was so enfeebled with old age that his friends had to carry him into the worship assembly on a cot, on a stretcher. When he was there, they would ask him to speak, and he would lean up on one elbow and look at the congregation and say simply, little children, love one another. Then he would lie back down and his friends would carry him out again. And this same thing kept happening week after week, over and over again. And one day, so the story goes, someone looked at him and said, Why do you do that? Why is it the same thing week in and week out? Why do you always say little children love one another? To which John apparently replied, Because it is enough. In other words, for those who love Jesus Christ, for those who trust in him as their Savior, for those who know his forgiving love and want to serve him, really only one instruction is needed for that kind of service. Love one another. Now, honestly, I don't know if that story is true or not, but honestly, I, I think it's also beside the point. The point that it teaches is what Jesus taught in our text, and that is that we are to love one another. That's what he calls on us to do today. He calls us to love one another with a Christ-like love, and he calls on us to love each other with a Christ-glorifying love. Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room. Judas had just left to go and carry out his wicked work to set in motion the wheels that would bring our Savior to the cross. Jesus was about to be betrayed and denied. He was about to be put on trial and convicted. He was about to suffer and to die. But you wouldn't know it from how he talks because he's got glory on his mind. He says, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Now, what was glorious about the unfathomable humiliation and degradation that Jesus was about to endure at the cross? I mean, anybody who had ever witnessed a crucifixion would never describe it as glorious. They would certainly describe it as horrifying. What was glorious about this? Well, my friends, there is glory at the cross. In the midst of all that gore, all that blood, all that suffering and pain and shame, there is glory. Because this is what God had planned from eternity. In the garden, he said to the serpent, He will crush your head. And many centuries later, St. John wrote in his first epistle, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's exactly what happened at Calvary, all according to God's plan. The righteousness of a just God was satisfied. All sin was paid for, and the devil was soundly defeated. The serpent was crushed. Crucifixion is horrible. I mean, the cross is in a lot of ways a terrible thing even to comp contemplate. But at the same time, my friends, it is truly glorious because for us that cross means our salvation. 
Jesus in that upper room knew that all of this was coming, and he had it all in mind as he instructed his disciples. He said, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. In that upper room, Jesus was preparing his eleven for some very difficult times that were to come. Soon he would go to the cross, and they could not follow there. Soon he would rise from the dead and ascend into heaven to the right hand of the Father, and they couldn't follow him there either, at least not yet, because first, they had work to do. They had a mission, of course, of sharing the gospel with the entire world. But Jesus also gave them this mission. A new command I give you. Love one another. Now let's just stop there for a second. How can Jesus call this command to love one another new? Way back in Leviticus, God told his people, Love your neighbor as yourself. A teaching which Jesus had already repeated to his disciples. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anything new about the command. There's nothing really new here. So, what are we missing? Well, a couple of thoughts from our text will be helpful. First of all, in the Greek, John uses a word here for new that does not mean new in time, like a new car that just rolled off the assembly line but rather new in quality, like a car that has been redesigned from the ground up. Jesus is talking here about an updated look, a fresh take on the old concept of love. And Jesus' next words show us the fresh take that he's thinking about. He says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus called on the eleven. He calls on you and me. To love as he loves. My friends, that is a tall order to say the least. And can I just confess to you this morning how utterly I fail to love like that. I mean, every day God lays out for me a smorgasbord of opportunities to love others as he has loved me. And often I turn up my nose at it. I fail to love my family because I'm tired or grumpy or distracted. I fail to love all of you as I should, as your pastor, because I'm busy or, again, tired or distracted. I fail to love my neighbor because I'm aloof or arrogant or have something better to do. I even fail to love my own dear wife, the one that God calls me to love as Christ loved the church, the one whom I solemnly promised to love that way about 23 years ago, the one who rarely sees that kind of love from her husband. My dear friends, if you examine your hearts, I'll just bet that you'll find the same lack of love. What can we do about this? What can we do about this lovelessness? What's the cure for this? Well, in a word, love. God's love for us. In the Koine Greek language of the New Testament, there are basically four words for love. Each of them describes a, a, a different aspect, a different look at love. For example, there's the word eros, uh, which refers to sensual or romantic love. We get our word erotic from this word. And then there's storge, which is really familial love. It's like the love of a mother for her child. And then there's one you probably know, philia. You hear it in the name Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Philia is brotherly love. It's the love of friendship. 
And then comes the highest word for love, the most important one in the scriptures, and the one that is used in our text, agape. That's the love of God for us. Love for the unlovable. Love for the undeserving. A love that seeks only the good of the one being loved and does not want or expect anything in return. A love that is totally focused on its object. And my friends, that's us. What does this kind of love, this agape love, what does it look like? Well, it looks like a little baby lying on a bed of hay in a filthy feeding trough in a backwater berg that nobody cares about. The creator himself clothed in human flesh. It looks like a 30-something-year-old man walking dusty roads, talking to people, healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding thousands, instructing the masses. It looks like a man who seemingly has time for everybody, a man who lifts little children onto his lap and blesses them, a man who is not ashamed to sit down and break bread with prostitutes and sinners. It looks like a man sweating blood, a man who is beaten to a pulp and crowned with thorns and nailed to a cross, a man who unbelievably prays, Father, forgive them. And he does. He does forgive us. He forgives us because of that love that is unlike any other. A love that has no equal. A love that sent Jesus into our flesh and onto the cross. A love that put him on that cross to bear the pain and suffering that we had earned by our sins. A love that could not stay in the tomb, not one second longer, but had to burst forth in victory for you and for me and for all. My friends, because of that love, that selfless love of our God for us. We have forgiveness now, and we have life forever. And you know what? This kind of love is the love that the world desperately needs, and we can show it to them. How? Well, let me ask you this. How would you identify a, a Christ-like church? Would you be able to see that by its well-maintained buildings and grounds? Would you be able to see that by offering plates and bank accounts that are overflowing with earthly treasure? Would you be able to see that by that church's dynamic pastor whom everybody knows and loves? Would you be able to see it by their full pews and their robust singing, their exciting music, and by all the many programs that they offer for every age? Well, no. One of the clearest signs of a church that is following Christ, a Christ-like church, is how its members love and care for each other. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with beautiful and well-cared-for facilities. Those are a blessing to us. And, of course, we strive for good financial stewardship, and we, we honor our pastors and teachers and leaders. We're thankful for them. We want our pews to be filled. We want our people to come and worship their Savior with gusto. These are all good goals, good things to work toward. But as we are striving toward those goals, may we never forget our Savior's simple command, love one another. What does that look like in a Christian congregation? Well, it looks like one member asking another, how's your mom doing? I heard that she was ill. 
It looks like a meal delivered to a family that just welcomed a new baby. It looks like people waiting patiently in a long line to talk to the people who are standing over there grieving by the casket. It looks like a personal card written out to someone who needs encouragement or deserves a thank you. It looks like a greeter standing by the door with a smile on her face and a word of welcome on her lips. It looks like a seasoned member helping that first-time visitor find his way through the service. It looks like a volunteer who mows and trims, cooks and cleans, counts and records, folds and staples. It looks like a teacher sitting up late to correct papers or coming in really early to prepare that lesson. It looks like a musician running through that piece just one more time to have it ready for Sunday morning. It looks like a secretary working through a hundred item to-do list with a smile on her face. It looks like one of God's people saying, I'm sorry, and the other responding, I forgive you, and so does Jesus. It looks like 10,000 little acts of kindness and patience and understanding and compassion. Far too many examples for us to talk about in a hundred sermons, much less in this one. My friends, what happens when we love one another like that? Well, listen to Jesus. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When we actively love each other, the world takes notice. And the world remembers who we are, whose name we bear. The world remembers that we are Christians. And so our Savior is glorified and honored by our kindness and our compassion and our love for one another. This is exactly what Jesus wants. He said, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As we reflect the light of our, of our Savior's love into the world, our God is glorified, the gospel is shared, and souls are saved. Little children, love one another. I don't know if John really preached those words over and over again, week after week. It actually makes sense to me. I think he probably did. I mean, after all, John was there in the upper room to hear this teaching by Jesus, and later on, under the Spirit's inspiration, he recorded these words so that we could learn from them. So I think he probably preached that message over and over again. But my friends, what's so much more important is that we listen to and live the sermon. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, my dear fellow little children, love one another. Amen.